Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome to How to Keep Your Vagina Happy in Isolation, a three-part mini-series with me, Mika Simmons, and relationship therapist and sex expert, Kate Moyle. Whether you are single, in a relationship, together or apart, we will be discussing isolation romance, intimacy and sex, how to do it, how to do it safely, and why right now it is so important. Kate, Welcome to the Happy Vagina. I know therapists are in high demand during this period of CV19, so it's absolutely brilliant of you to give us some of your time. Thank you. How are you? I'm good. I'm really good, thank you. Um, You know, the sun is shining today. Obviously, we're all in isolation and kind of apart from our normal lives, but, you know, just trying to get on with things and feeling, yeah, grateful the sun is shining this morning. Yeah, so we, we the, the the weather is really propping us all up, isn't it? I think it is. I think it's a weird one because it's uh, it makes it harder to be inside because you're kind of looking outside, wishing that you were outside. But in some way, it's feeding some part of ourselves which likes to be in the sun rather than the dark. There is just something very instinctive and human about natural light that makes us feel better in kind of every scenario. So I think just trying to get as much of that in as possible does does help you to to feel good. Yeah, yeah. Okay, on today's episode, completely selfishly, I am super excited as we are focusing on singledom. A recent headline claimed that during CV19, you are your safest partner. And honestly, that should be great news for those of us who are single. But realistically, if you're isolating completely alone or with a platonic housemate and you are single, it might not be that simple. So I'm really hoping that we can offer some suggestions around how to stay sexually and mentally well during this period of isolation. And I'm just going to jump straight in there. And can we start with the basics? For those of us who've ended up single in isolation, is sex and self-pleasure still important? A hundred percent. Yes. And one of the things that I talk about a lot as a psychosexual and relationship therapist is actually our, our sex life can start with ourselves. And I think the problem is we talk about sex, that kind of million dollar, three letter word, um, always about being with other people. And it's always about something that happens between people. And actually our, our best sexual relationship starts with ourselves a bit like all our relationships do. And just because we don't have a partner doesn't mean that we aren't able to be sexual or have sexual experiences or experience pleasure. And now more than ever, there is the time to to focus on this part of our lives. That's possibly the first time that a lot of people will have heard that, that actually, you know, you need to start with yourself in terms of your sexual relationship. Why, why is that not our kind of baseline? Well, I mean, sex education at school, it's all, it wasn't really sex education. It was reproduction education um, for most people. But I think it goes back to way before that, that the only way that sex was ever really historically talked about was within the context of marriage and procreation. And pleasure was 
never a part of that. And actually, at some points in history, kind of it was considered that pleasure would, you know, make women uncontrollable. <laughs> um, and so mm. sex was very functional. And now, where we are is, and we're much more kind of in a much more sex positive environment, and we are trying to include sex and sexual wellness and sexual well-being as a part of our kind of all-round well-being and position it where it needs to be but historically it has always been about this is how to make children um you know religion obviously was a much bigger part of our lives and history as well so a lot of it goes with that and now we're recognizing that there are plenty of ways to be sexual and plenty of ways to be in relationships as well so actually in a nutshell, you could say it was about procreation, not pleasure. Oh, 100%. You know, we um, never talked about pleasure and sex education. The clitoris wasn't even mentioned. And it was all about kind of this is how to stay safe, um, not get pregnant or get pregnant. And this is how biology happens. Mm. And actually, we all know that the kind of why rather than the what of sex is the most kind of important part of it. And actually, mm. that's the bit that we're now starting to talk about a lot more and have included in education models. Mm. And, and and speaking of pleasure, um, there was a really interesting article on, on Goop last week or the week before. It was talking about that women's sex drives have gone down. That is not my experience. Lots of people's sex drive during this period of isolation has completely changed. Um, I'm getting lots of feedback about that from people. What is going on? Why Why when we're in uh, this lockdown period of people experiencing such a different relationship with pleasure? I think that it's for a number of reasons. Some people are reporting a kind of real increase. Some people are import, uh, reporting a complete decrease. The thing that we know particularly about female pleasure, I mean, male pleasure as well, or, you know, desire or sex drive particularly is um, that it's context dependent. Now, what a lot of people are experiencing is kind of a complete merging of all of their contexts. So they are partners and working and parents and chefs and doing everything all in one space and so there isn't really the space to what I talk to a lot of my clients about to kind of switch off to turn on so there's this idea of kind of all of this one space that we're inhabiting being completely full and actually what we need is a bit of headspace in order to get into a sexual space now also people are worried more general levels of increased anxiety and stress for some people that can really decrease their sex drive now for others mm. they're kind of enjoying having a bit more freedom and a bit more flexibility in their ability to be sexual to make time for these kind of this side of their lives and actually spending more time with a partner is helping them to feel closer to their partner and helping them to have more sex so Mm. who are on their own again it's whether people want to invest the time in it now the thing that we know about sex lives is that they need kind of investment they need nurturing they need caring for they need an effort to be put into them and people are mm. either kind of going one way or the other they're taking advantage of this time and kind of doing that or that mm. sex is the last thing on my mind just just um you've mentioned stress a couple of times and obviously there was a stress with our lives being too full that we somehow were not we were stress can sort of disassociate us from feeling i think physical and emotional feeling mm. um so when we were all running around and now we have this other stress which is um a, a high level of anxiety or fear about what's going on in in the world 
you know, in, in terms of CV19. What is it that, 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 that the stress cortisol does to our sexual drive? Uh, why does it shut it down? Well, we know that kind of cortisol levels um, are higher in the body. Obviously, that's the stress hormone that when people are stressed and actually the orgasm reduces or the kind of neurochemicals that are released during orgasm reduces um, cortisol levels. But it's not just the, the kind of physiological, it's the psychological. When we are in a more stressed state, we are more preoccupied with our thoughts. We're much more kind of in our heads than in our bodies. We are more sensitive to things like threat or feeling um, mm -hmm. anxious or kind of um, almost kind of hyperactive isn't the right word, but kind of hypervigilant to mm -hmm. things. And actually what that does is it means that we find it trickier to switch off, to calm down, to get in that kind of more relaxed and open and receptive space, which is where sex typically happens. You just talked about how cortisol is um, is reduced when we have an orgasm. So let's move on to orgasms. Um, remarkably, I still know women. I haven't met any men, but I know women who still have never given themselves an orgasm. So can you just tell us a bit about what the gifts are of the single orgasm of giving yourself pleasure? I think that you know, the body is designed to experience pleasure. So I often talk to people about how the skin is the kind of largest erogenous zone. So the high sensitivity that we have in different parts of the body is there for a reason. Uh, the clitoris, which is the way that most women experience orgasm, is actually the only organ in the body which is designed purely with the function for us to experience pleasure. So it's really about us kind of getting to know our bodies better. And, you know, we experience pleasure from so many things in life why would self-touch and enjoyment not be a part of that yeah it's funny though you know I mean I've I've read lots about this about the the, the, the clitoris being a soul its sole purpose being about pleasure but there is some um some suggestions that actually having an orgasm with your partner at the same time when you're trying to get pregnant can really enhance pregnancy well there is um theories that orgasm so basically because um there's muscular contractions that take place um a wave of muscular contractions that take place in the vagina when we orgasm there were theories that orgasm helped to sort of draw um semen up towards the cervix more so mm. that was the kind of evolutionary role of it but we know that the kind of structure of the clitoris is a bit like a kind of wishbone shape. So mm. it's direct clitoral stimulation, which gives people pleasure, but also kind of internal stimulation through penetration or using a sex toy. Um, mm. And I think that it's, you'll probably hear me say this kind of quite a lot across this mini series, but it's not about what you consider to be normal and you finding out what the should is. It's about you finding out what's normal for you or what feels good for you. And so that's mm. why self-pleasure, self-exploration, you know, body touch is a really important part of ourselves getting to know each, getting to know ourselves. And How can you possibly tell someone else what you want if you don't know yourself? Exactly. And one of the, the kind of key um, difficulties that we find with couples is this idea of mind reading and not just about sex, but about everything that we think that we know what our partner is thinking so we don't actually check with them we've already decided what they're thinking but we need to kind of go up against that and clarify mm. and say to people actually you know I used to like that but I think that what I like has changed a bit so could we try something different or mm -hmm. um, I tried this the other day and it felt really good for me is it something that we could try together mm. just 
um, we're going to come on to sex toys in a second because you've just mentioned them. But I just, a thought's just come into my head, Kate, which is like, why do we mind read? Like, as human beings, like, what, it's fear. I would say, for me, I'm going to talk about my, like, my own personal experiences because everyone's is so different, as you've just said. But for me, I would say that something weird happens, particularly around intimacy, where the, the fear thought process stops me from asking or saying and then you try and work out what the other person is thinking or what they want not just sexually in the bedroom but also just in life in general why do we do that as human beings i think we are all primed to protect ourselves against rejection it's Mm. it's, um very to be vulnerable it's hard to be vulnerable it's really hard to be vulnerable but we're also all um you know if we are kind of that fear of rejection is something really really um integral to being human and you know as babies if we are rejected we don't you know we are reliant on the care of others so it's something very kind of innate but as adults you know we develop the kind of conscious ability to be able to be like, okay well that's fine I understand you know not everyone I'm not going to get on with everyone or I will be rejected or that's a normal part of life but it's still very uncomfortable and mm. I think that also we mind read because we're always going to be kind of slightly biased to our own perspectives and we like to kind of prime ourselves for what we think is coming. So we're like, okay, well, I know what they're thinking or I know what that reaction means when actually mm-hmm. we don't. But in reality, we're not taught how to do these things. We don't have lessons about relationships and communication like mm-hmm. everything else in life. And I think if we taught clear communication or communication tools to mm. when they were younger I think that we'd see that we we're all able to communicate a lot better mm. and people can listen to us talk about this more on the other episode about couples in isolation you can click on listen to that after you've listened to this episode but let's get back to single sex sex toys so as I said you know really sadly um, a lot of women I know still have never ever had uh, experienced self-pleasure or explored it. And um, I was given a vibrator before I came away for this period of isolation, which has been a massive gift for me. Um, if somebody has never ever explored self-pleasure or even had a sex toy, what would your suggestions be for them about how to start? I'm laughing because I've given um, sex toys to so many of my friends. So well, everyone in the half of the my guests have been like, Mika, how can you have a podcast called The Have Vagina and Never Had had a Vibrator? And I'm like, I don't know. I guess maybe I've got good hands or I've had good partners. But for some reason, the whole plastic thing did not, it didn't do it for me. But I am loving my fireman. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Just calling out the emergency services. Um, (laughs) um, I've brought so many of my um, friends, their first vibrators. And um, I... I'm really lucky. I work with a sex toy brand who are amazing. So I'm the UK sex expert for Lilo. And so they are always designing with um, pleasure in mind and really kind of being quite creative. And I think the kind of the plastic thing, the silicon thing does put a lot of people off. A lot of people are like, oh, I'd rather just kind of do it myself. And again, it's all about preference. But now there is such an enormous range of sex toys that there's almost something for everybody. Um, and I think what's really important is that people get a chance to explore and kind of find out what works for them. So if somebody um, carried, I mean, I, I, I would suggest, and perhaps this is a bit um, a bit of a generalization, but I would suggest that probably shame 
is one of the main reasons, particularly for women, why they haven't ever explored masturbation or self-pleasure. You know, what would be your kind of suggestion for that person? I mean, perhaps it'd be to come and see someone like you and talk about it. I mean, I do see lots of women who are trying to explore this side of their lives. I think therapy is one route, but I don't think you necessarily need to go to therapy to do this. I would say, actually, starting with kind of just body touch, so things like exploring your body in the shower, and you don't have to jump straight to kind of your genitals. You don't have to straight jump straight to the vulva and the vagina. And I think the thing is, shame is integrally linked with sex for so many of us mm. and that's that kind of those early messages you know if you think about the first things you learned about sex it was very kind of like shh don't you know don't talk about that or well, that's a mm. very hidden and typically in conversation or generalized conversation even as teenagers you know female masturbation is not really talked about or is considered kind of not okay whereas male masturbation is much more normalized um but i think that getting to know your body and then kind of moving into that area is a really good way of doing things now there are such a massive range of sex toys now some people would like to kind of use something which they can use for penetration other people wouldn't it's just about exploring what you think looks okay so i would suggest if someone is interested in trying a sex toy to start simple kind of don't go straight for like the biggest one that has 18 settings and looks really intimidating but just to pick something really straightforward and simple have a look have a look at some of the websites like look through things and just get familiar with what there is available and then pick something which you think appeals to you because again you know there's so many of these things and that's because everybody likes different things and I think it's important to find something that what's you really like. interesting is that you've just actually reminded me or, or I've, I've kind of been triggered into realizing that I think one of the reasons why, because I had a, a condition called um, uh, vestibulitis when I uh, ten years ago now, um, and, and one of the things that the therapist I was working with around it, not speaking therapist, physical therapist, the physiotherapist at the hospital I was being seen was suggesting that I should get a vibrator because they were suggesting maybe uh, the walls of my vagina were too tight, and um, and I remember going online looking. Uh, the she sent me to a very cool uh set it was an east I don't remember the name of it but it was a, it was you know probably before we had the level of online shopping we've got now for vibrators but it was an east london very cool feminist female oriented sex shop sure, and I just remember looking at the vibrators and thinking I don't know where to start or which one yeah. to go with and I think that's um so many women's experience and also the idea of going into a shop for lots of people is just not not comfortable isn't where they want to be embarrassing isn't it yeah and for that first shouldn't be but it is but also I suppose in a way maybe the embarrassment Kate is what keeps sex so special like I mean you know the the complication very deeply deeply complicated feelings that we have around sex as human beings is what keeps it something almost sacred and special and you know I I argue massively for people to kind of be more open about sex or to get the conversation going around sex but sex is also something quite private for lots of people and what I'm not saying to everybody is you know you should share every aspect of your sex life even with your postman um, but actually just that the generalized conversation needs to be more sex positive and needs to happen more because mm -hmm. then people will feel that they are not alone in their experiences that mm -hmm. it's okay that sex is not something kind of 
abhorrent or shameful or that should be hidden. And actually, if people who are struggling with sex heard more conversations about sex, then they wouldn't feel so alone and they wouldn't um, struggle to get the help to sort things out, to change that part of their lives, which is causing them high levels of distress. And they'd have lower cortisol. And they would have lower cortisol. (laughs) (laughs) I just, one of the things that has come up while I was prepping for um, this amazing little mini series that we're doing, um, one of my male heterosexual friends said to me, have you ever noticed the fact that men don't have sex toys? And I was like, oh, why is that, Kate? I think that, well, they they do. So to challenge that, there are... um, a lot. Of, Could you just tell me a bit about them? Yeah, so there are a lot of kind of male sex toys in the market actually, and they tend to be um, what are kind of quite unglamorously called like masturbation sleeves. And so there are um, new sex toys which basically kind of men put their penises into, I suppose, a bit like a kind of the idea of a synthetic vagina, which sounds kind of more horrible than it is. But um, and they kind of simulate the feeling of sex, whereas for women actually a lot of sex toys are focused around kind of clitoral stimulation and vibrators. Now, a lot are obviously penetrative sex toys as well, but they might combine those two aspects. Mm. Now, I just think that the market is so enormous because for women, because suddenly everyone realized actually female pleasure is really important and it's the thing that's always been missing. And Would you also say, I mean, I, I, I wonder whether or not it's also because for a lot of women, it is harder to reach climax. So I think once a man from a young age learns how to get to that stage through self-pleasure, I, for, for, for me, I would suggest it's been harder to work out how to do that. A hundred percent. And um, it's, you know, the narrative that we've always had around female orgasm is that it's much more complicated than men's, that it's easy for men to orgasm and difficult for women to orgasm. and you know, that's not the case for everybody, but mm. it is the case for a lot of people. And mm-hmm. the important thing is also that the narrative is there. So the kind of context that we've all learned about this stuff is that is within that um, storyline, so to speak, that conversation. So, of course, if we're looking for new ways to help women to enjoy pleasure and experience more pleasure, then and things like sex toys are working, then more people are going to make them, they're going to kind of um, upload mm. them they're going to sell hundreds of millions of thousands of them which is exactly what's happened mm. yeah and, and and also let's keep it really really kind of open-minded and lateral that women using sex toys is great for men too 100 whether it be within the relationship or just us getting to know our bodies better it's going to help our partners they are in heterosexual relationships and 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 in and in other relationships um gay and bi oh 100 and you know sex toys and partners are not mutually exclusive they can be used really creatively and for really good fun for both partners together you know all the time and lots of people do kind of integrate sex toys into their sex lives really successfully Mm. so back to the sort of single singleness of isolation and sex is it um is there ever a point when uh self-pleasure can become unhealthy i think that when um people experience it as unhealthy it's because they are using it as a replacement for kind of managing their feelings in another way or it mm. be the kind of go-to way of managing feeling uncomfortable or stressed or sad or angry and what tends to happen a bit like we can kind of use 
anything in our lives. Some people overexercise, some people overeat, some people undereat, some people drink too much, smoke too much. You know, we can understand that any behavior can become um, a bit too overused or a bit kind of. Would you say compulsive? Or would you? Compulsive, we can use, um, or like over. you know, it can become a bit compulsive because basically what we do is we feel a certain way and then we use that behavior to manage the feeling. To change the feeling. Or just to manage it. To disassociate in a way. I mean, for me, an orgasm can take me out of my body. So if I'm, you know, it, it, it can be a way to disassociate from reality. Mm. And it's the what we understand is when people are kind of struggling with any kind of behavior like that, actually what we need to help them to recognize is why they're doing that. So actually the problem kind of is less what you're doing it's why you're doing it and I think Mm. that that is the um, way in which masturbation for example can become unhealthy hey I'm Ryan Reynolds at Mint Mobile we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does they charge you a lot we charge you a little so naturally when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you that's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. If someone, if some, you know, if, if someone has, who's listening to this, had a, if this if this kind of resonates with someone who's listening to it and they go all oh, that sort of that's ringing some bells inside of me how would one identify that their self pleasure um rhythm for want of a better word or how much they are uh, experiencing self pleasure has become uh, has gone into the kind of unhealthy zone i think it's if you are using it as a constant and you don't have any other kind of coping mechanisms or you don't feel that there's any other way that you can cope apart from using that right. behavior and right. okay. about kind of working out how you can feel that it is a healthy behavior rather than something is kind of compromising you or something that you're starting to have negative response to doing so actually one of the key tools if someone was experiencing this at the moment where they they you know we're, we're very much kind of someone a single person isolating on, on their own one of the key tools would be to start adding in other healthy behaviors into your life so when you have um a desire or an urge to self-pleasure maybe pause and go and do something else that's uh, in the area of self-care or self-nurture i think that that can be a really good way of breaking up negative patterns yeah but it's also about just understanding is it that you're feeling negative and so your automatic response is okay well I'm going to kind of compensate for that negative feeling by doing something that changes how I feel instantly or Mm. and if we get into a kind of repeated habit of that now what we tend to do as humans is have a variety of things that we might do that make us feel better and I think that's always Mm. a healthier way to do it so you don't become completely reliant on one behavior 
Mm-hmm. There's 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 fewer things to 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 fix on to change our feelings at the moment, which I'm I'm personally finding very interesting. I'm having to practice a lot of detachment from my emotional roller coaster of of um, isolation. One of the things that I'm was completely blown away by, uh, not being a millennial myself, but um, uh, people are still online dating during this period. And I've um, a couple of people that I know have been on first dates, virtual first dates, uh, which I it kind of just brings a massive smile to my face. I'm so um, delighted and 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 you know kind of just excited by humankind and how we get resourceful in 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 the face of a very depleted um society at the moment and um but but when i tried i tried online dating and i have to be honest i found it really really difficult and complicated and you know you get this kind of flurry of attention from someone and then they just completely disappear which i think is commonly called ghosting and um often it's for no reason and the connection would have been there but if you haven't really bonded with another human being um you know, it, 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 it can be really baffling. Anyway, it wasn't for me, but I'm super excited it is for other people. One of the things that you were just talking about and we were touching on was this thing that we don't have so many externals to fix on and change our feelings. Now, online dating can bring great disappointment and rejection. And during this period of isolation, if someone chooses to online date, what would be your top kind of suggestions for how to manage disappointment and rejection? I think that it's what's really difficult about online dating is that we do see a massive rise in things like ghosting. So those kind of behaviors, because we're not face to face with someone in the same way. We're not having to kind of um, reject people or give people kind of feeling, deal with people's feelings in the same way. And actually what that does is there's an increase of those kind of behaviors which are really actually disruptive and really kind of destructive to lots of people's feelings about themselves so kind of self-confidence and self-esteem so practicing kind of self-care kind of being aware that this is a really strange situation for us all to be in and that it's not replicating kind of real in-person kind of person-to-person relationships I think being aware of that but I really applaud people that are still kind of going out there and getting what they want and looking for relationships and dating because they're not letting this stop them. And actually the one thing that it shows is how adaptive humans are. Yeah, it's key at the moment, isn't it? Being adaptive. Really amazing. I, I'm I'm su- I'm really excited by it. Um, if if people are um online dating, uh, particularly first dates or continuing their new relationship via virtual, we have got another episode which is all about virtual sex. <laughs> um so you can you can drop off here after this one and li- listen to that, how how to have good virtual sex with a new or, or long-term partner who you might be separate from right now. But um Back to being single, this could also be a really great time to fall in love with yourself. And I know that there's, you know, a lot of, uh, I've seen a lot of chat on my social media feed about people using this time to really, you know, deepen their relationship with their self. Personally, I've done Julia Cameron's book, The Artist's Way, numerous times to build a deep relationship with my artist self. Um, But I just wondered if there's, you know, if there's books like that about having, you know, a romance with yourself, Kate. Yeah. What would your suggestions be? Like, you know, if someone wanted to like use this time, obviously we can't give ourselves hugs, which is like excruciating, but 
how would someone build a romance with themselves? I mean, in a way, we kind of can give ourselves hugs. Like we, you can know, kind of touch yourself or touch your own body. Or um, I think there's nothing kind of wrong with that. Weirdly, in a way, kind of like holding yourself can be quite reassuring. Um, but it doesn't give you the same. It's oxytocin, I think, that yeah. comes out when you when you when you when you have a hug from another human being. Yeah, I'm missing them so much. Yeah, I think that you know, and that is really hard because as humans, we are primed to be sociable um, and to kind of be in relation with others. So that physical contact is um definitely missing for a lot of people who are on their own and I think that is really hard and um but in terms of books I oh god I have a whole bookshelf full of them um I am actually reading um a book from the school of life at the moment called an emotional education which is by Alain de Botton which I'm really enjoying um there are some really interesting books, um, one called Attached, which is by Amé Levine, which is all about attachment theory and understanding how... Oh, I've read that. Yeah. And I think it's really interesting because it helps to position ourselves in a way of understanding ourselves better and how we relate to other people better and understanding people mm. in terms of their attachment styles. And mm. I'm obviously going to um, talk about, given that we're talking about kind of pleasure and self-isolation, um, Emily Nagoski writes some absolutely brilliant books as well. Um, Come as you are, which are all about kind of female orgasm and female sexuality. And but I think that I find myself listening to a lot of podcasts at the moment, and I'm trying to kind of jump around between what different people are saying. And there are so many ways that we can explore. Um, Esther Perel, who's the world thought leader on kind of love, sex, and intimacy, is running an online series on her YouTube channel, and I think that hearing what other people are saying and hearing other people's stories and experiences is connecting us with other people just in a different way. And that can feed ourselves because we challenge our ideas. We see other perspectives. We reject some, we accept others. And that can really help to self-develop in some way. Mm. Mm. And are there any um, kind of key um, tools that, so if someone wanted to kind of, really spend this time not thinking about relationships and really really fall into their singleness and choose to be in that what would be kind of the tools to really reconnect to yourself that you would suggest I mean I I personally you know things that, that I do in my daily practice are I, I have a yoga practice I'm I, I use a gratitude list I often journal if I need to if I you know if I feel like that will connect to me and also just kind of um allowing myself to deeply accept the fact that I'm single during this period are there any tools that you kind of suggest I think that all of those are really good I think you know the um the kind of antidote to anxiety as strange and simplistic as this sounds is acceptance um mm. and that that is you know grossly oversimplifying it but um I think just actually doing the things that make you feel good, that are about you yes! and what you want and yes! that you don't have to kind of do anything based on anyone else's agenda right now. And that might be oh. watching the entire season of um, sex education in one sex day. Sex education! <laughs> Which is so good. I mean, I just probably enough of it, but um, I'm, yeah. you know, I'm obsessed watching a Netflix series in one day it's reading a book it's listening to a podcast it's staying in bed it's you know sitting in the bath for two hours it's just oh I'm loving the suggestion or you know I think 
the thing is so really to tune into your own rhythms like actually to to literally keep it in the day and every single day be like what is it that Mika wants in this moment yeah that is the ultimate self-love and I think the thing is is the current kind of working environment that we live in the kind of world that we live in is so productivity obsessed we're all so busy like every time I speak to someone kind of outside of the situation we find ourselves in the first thing everyone describes is busy everyone's busy and it's because we've learned to use busyness as a kind of measure of productivity and success and actually there is you know we need to balance work and play and time off and relaxing and recovery and mm. we're not good at it and it's because of this kind of culture that we find ourselves in which is constantly on and actually I think this time if we are on our own it's about you know I know the word self-care is a bit of a buzzword and we talk about it a lot but what do you want like listening to yourself okay is it you're really tired mm. so you need to go to bed a bit early or you need to wake up later or it's actually that you want to go for a run when you're kind of um, one trip out the house a day or you want mm. to do a yoga class or you want to listen to not a forcing about yeah exactly I think not, not forcing, forcing yourself and the idea being that everything that we have to do has to be productive is really unhelpful so doing something that's unproductive apart from that it gives you pleasure it gives you joy it gives you enjoyment so looking towards pleasure rather than rather than rather than what what should I be doing? And I think also one of the things that we're starting to understand more and more is that actually staying busy can be a trauma response to us to, to avoid your feelings. So not only allowing pleasure to be your master, the master of your ship during this period, but but also allowing yourself to um, m- move away from distracting from your feelings and actually sitting in them and being with them. Yeah, a hundred percent just we've run out of time but thankfully we've got two other episodes but I'm just gonna um end with a quick um a quick question what are your five top tips for a healthy sex life with yourself my top tips for a healthy sex life with myself so one is um kind of self-sex education so sex education can happen across our lifetime and what I mean about that is a, the physical kind of touch, getting to know your body better, exploring your body. Um, but also it is about reading about sex, listening to podcasts about sex, watching TED Talks about sex, kind of exploring your perspectives and ideas about sex. I think that that's um, a really kind of um, good way of thinking about what your definition of sex is. Um, my second tip is to mix it up so for example even if you're on your own just try not to get into a routine of doing things the same way every time when it comes to self-pleasure or to um, sex if you're in a couple or at home with someone else so that might be kind of either using a sex toy or not using a sex toy using lubricant or not being in the shower or not or in bed or listening to audio erotica or not or I think the thing is, when it comes to sex, is so often we can get stuck in routines, and that's one of the things that dampens desire for lots of people. So, changing things is a really good way of keeping your sex life moving. Um, Interesting. Yeah, I, I think the thing is, is the idea about mixing it up or kind of spicing it up always feels really intimidating, and actually, we can just change small things every time, and that's enough. Mm. Um, my third point would be to explore. So one of the things that um, I've been talking about a lot at the moment um, 
is audio erotica. So there are apps. One is called Dipsy Stories. The other one is called Furly. Basically, it's kind of like audio pornography. So, and the whole thing being that a what it helps us to move away from are these kind of stereotypically kind of pornographic um, representations of bodies and women and that we see. And what your imagination is, is the best kind of pornography that you have. And it's also unlimited. And so these kind of audio erotica platforms act as a prompt to help you to um, kind of engage with that sexual side of things. But also you get to kind of paint the image for yourself. You have the, there is no imagery. It's just obviously audio. And um, what the app Furly also has as kind of self-development and um, sexual self-awareness and mindful sex exercises as well so the central stories are just a part of that whereas dipsy is actually an audio erotica platform amazing um my um fourth point is lube <laughs> i think lubricant is an essential for any sex life whether with yourself or with someone else interesting I, yeah i recommend yes organics because they're all natural all organic um particularly for people who have had conditions like you were saying about vestibulitis um you know, there's going to be no irritation or anything like that caused. But what it does is it can kind of completely change the sensuality of things and the way that things feel. Um, and Interesting. I, I it's a real mess. And it's, you know, especially kind of good with sex toys. Um, Interesting. And the my kind of final one, which might sound a bit kind of cheesy, is um, kind of gift pleasure to yourself. So take time for pleasure. Um kind of encourage yourself to be sex positive in your own way you know sex and pleasure enjoying yourself are not shameful but we need to kind of work out how to make it work for us and so allowing that space allowing that time and kind of being with yourself it is a really good way to be I love that one. Thank you so much, Kate. Really insightful, um, brilliant sharing. And I just, I feel really enlightened and I'm, and I'm looking forward to my weekend. <laughs> uh, this is The Happy Vagina with Nika Simmons and Kate Moyle. And thank you very much for listening. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started 